Good evening, Nadine. I hear you've got snow over there in the UK. Well, I had it here in the, in the south of the UK yesterday. Um, you can't see the other window behind me, but it, the rain has washed it all away within about 24 hours. So um, we're OK down in the south. But I think, yeah, the north is, uh, is now blanketed nicely. So as, as always in the UK, we probably won't be able to handle it. And um, there'll probably be traffic jams and everybody panicking. School's closed. Yeah, exactly. Now, for for our viewers, I'm going to give you a a quick background, viewers, to um, uh, Nadine Bloxham. Uh, She uh, has been um, in the world of aluminium for, I don't know, Nadine, for for as long as I've been in the world of aluminium, so it's probably 10 years further than that. But we first met in... Abu Dhabi in 2016, when you were arranging a conference there, mm-hmm. and that was part of your role as the editor of Aluminium International Today. And then you also convened the um, the Future Aluminium Forum, and um, which I which I spoke at in, in both Milan and, and Warsaw, and um, and helped and sat on your steering committee. And then recently, last year, you uh, you sort of deserted that ship a bit. You're still the editor of uh, Aluminium International Day. And you took up a new position with the UK Aluminium Federation. And one of the interesting things is that uh, it's membership, your titles, membership and sustainability manager. And that's the first time sustainability has been in a job title at the, at the Federation. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. First time for everything. Yep. And tell me, how did that role develop? Because I think you were part of the development of the role, weren't you? Yes, exactly that. So um, obviously, yeah, my background within uh, Aluminium International. So and you're right, Jeff, I think it's it's just over 10 years, I think now, which is a bit scary that I've been involved in Aluminium. I started out in the in the glass industry, but still with Quartz Business Media for Glass International Magazine. So then switched allegiance completely over to Aluminium and all things uh, lightweight material. Um, and... Yeah, it's kind of developed that uh, that role. Obviously, saw a lot more interest as the years progressed as well. Within the last five years, I'd say, into this this sustainability movement and and the industry developing more of a sustainability strategy. So, with more and more kind of content coming in and more um, products and projects being launched, that obviously were leading the sector into these kind of greener green, a greener transition. Um, I became more interested in what it actually meant for the industry and from an aluminium international perspective we were then showing a lot more kind of content around where the industry was going with this so um, as well as developing the future aluminium forum which you mentioned which is more focused on the digitalization and and kind of industry four areas and obviously there's a tie-in there with sustainability because a lot of the technologies are then geared around how to to help sustainability efforts as well and emission reduction and and lots of things like that but um we began before that with alu solutions which i think is obviously where we met so that was especially designed to try and touch on the solutions within aluminium manufacturing and processing that are more sustainable um the event itself i don't i think maybe we were probably a little bit too early for it um so yeah that was 2016 and and it didn't really get as much of a reception as we thought it would um like i say i I don't think there was the development quite there yet and i think it was more that the industry knew what they were supposed to be doing but weren't really geared up for it quite then um so over the recent years then the launch of sustainable industrial manufacturing in europe the sim brand um, was kind of de- designed more to then bring in the collaborative approach across heavy industries and across manufacturing industries because I started to see that the aluminium sector was really ploughing ahead with everything that it was doing, but it was 
really beneficial to actually bring in these other sectors and see where we could pick and choose certain elements from as well because obviously we're all um, trying to reach the same net zero targets and goals and things so why not share these kind of ideas so um, yeah sim sim was born um, but then a move more with like say into the UK aluminium federation came up um, it was something I was very passionate about because I've obviously worked with a lot of the members and a lot of the industry in the UK already with my role of aluminium international today so um, yeah I was really keen to be able to continue across both. So consulting on Aluminium International is still fantastic because I still get to kind of be involved more from the, the international side and, and the primary element because obviously you don't get too much of that in the UK with only one of our, uh, one smelter. Um, but yeah, my, my role at Alfred was specifically created to not only then help focus on recruiting new members and, and kind of retaining the existing ones because um, thankfully they've grown exponentially in the last couple of years I think there's over 200 members now within Alfred which is really really great to see but um one area that Alfred was keen to offer more value to partners and members was sustainability so um kind of as we all know and I'll, I'll keep championing aluminium throughout this but aluminium is ideally positioned to help UK industry as it moves towards more sustainable supply chains um and so my role, therefore, was to focus on kind of outlining Alfred's sustainability strategy in line, hopefully, with a larger UK industrial strategy um, and also adhere to the 2050 roadmap, which, uh, yeah, which we've sort of developed over the last couple of years. And um, this will also then help with working with members to develop programmes and anything that sort of directly impacts the future of, of the circular economy in the UK. So a bit of a strange yeah. balance with membership and sustainability, but it does, it does tie together. <laughs> Right. Um, before we before we get down into sort of where the rubber meets the road and, and what some of your members are doing and what and what Alfred's doing, it, it, aluminium is one of the hard to abate sectors. It's actually one of the big polluters on, on the planet, but it's also what I call the beautiful metal. And it, would you give it? Would you give us uh, for the viewers there who? Um, are wondering why aluminium and why it's important to the supply chains going forward. Would you give your, your elevator pitch, your, your, your 30 seconds of why aluminium is the beautiful metal and it's going to help us to get to uh, industrial sustainability and, and to zero carbon 250? Yeah, okay, right. Th well, 30 seconds on the clock then. But um, yeah, I could probably talk all, uh, all morning if I needed to. Um, <laughs> main, main points, obviously, to break it down, it's an affordable, highly recyclable, infinitely recyclable even uh, material that supports a global circular economy. It's the lightweight opportunities not only help with regards to such a huge impact on just lightweight emissions, uh, anything to do with technologies with regards to you know development in EV, electric vehicles, and more sustainable cities as well. Looking at the kind of architectural um, opportunities that aluminium possesses, but also yes, we have a huge emission output with regards to producing primary aluminium. But I think we sort of touched on this. We've touched on this many times. But five percent of uh, the actual process of aluminium. No, I've completely messed it up as well. Now, no, 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 no. You've got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were talking about it before. Sorry. Uh, we, can leave, just, we can leave this uh, in the speaker. I'll, I'll get the figures right. 
No, no, I, and I'll, I'll help you there. Uh, it's um, what Nadine's saying is that uh, uh, re recycling aluminium only takes five percent of the energy required to uh, originally make it. So aluminium's the fifth most plentiful surface metal in the world, but it doesn't exist in metallic form by itself. So it needs to be smelted, and that's where the pollution comes in. The, the CO two emissions is that, and and it's not from the, the process itself. It's actually from the aluminium. Uh, uh, smelters using coal-fired power stations. And um, if we could move them to more renewables, um, then it becomes a much cleaner and, and, and there's, we won't talk get too much into primary aluminium because you've only got one in, in, in the UK uh, yep. left, uh, uh, Lockhaver. Um, I've been there. Um, I've been to Fort William. I went there on a sunny day and everyone okay. said, yeah, it, you know, it's the first day in a year that it, the sun was out. Um, but it runs off hydropower. And I know that they were thinking about putting some wind in there. And, and, and so, um, but, but recycling, um, and, and I, I was looking um, at your website, Alfred's website today, and I noticed that um, you've used the figure 75% of all the aluminium ever produced in the world since we started producing 125, is still in circulation. Yeah. And so, and, and that's storing energy for future generations. Some of it is fossil fuels, but it, it's not gone. It's um, like those window frames and, and things like that. They're there for 70 years, and then they can be recycled and with only 5% of the energy. So, um, so that our future generations don't have to pay the carbon penalty that the planet did originally to make it. And and recycling now, the UK is really going 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 well on recycling. Can you just talk about that for a minute? Yeah, well, exactly that. I mean, the the fact that we do only have the one smelter within the UK, and um, a lot of the aluminium that we do produce in the UK is exported anyway. Um, but yeah, the recycling area, and, and a lot of our members within Alfred are recyclers or are helping to develop more. Uh, technologies around recycling and, and creating this closed loop. So obviously, we've we've realised that as a with all the changes recently, with everything going on Brexit wise, COVID wise, everything that's kind of impacted us over the last few years, especially, we need to build on this closed loop recycling agenda, basically, just to make sure that as a as an island and as an industry, we can support ourselves. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of uh, kind of technology and development going into the industry but I think there's also a lot of challenges with regards to how we look at and manage things like our dross um, the dross waste everything surrounding that there's certain issues that I think our members are very aware of and our members are very keen to uh, kind of work towards and support um, making sure that we can we can manage that and we can make sure that we're able to continue recycling to the the, uh, the kind of numbers that we need to be recycling to. Um, so there's there's certain things across that area that need still need work in and we, we then still need the support either from Europe with regards to sending our dross or we need to look at dross technologies and developing those within the UK as well so that we can really kind of build can, that up. Can you, what, um, just give us a quick description of what dross is for those people, who, oh. our audience who may not know. So um, obviously when you're using or remelting aluminium within a furnace, there is a layer of, it's called dross or um, salt slag or, yeah, there's lots of different names and terminology for it. But um, when the furnace is then skimmed, you need to remove that dross. But the dross can still be recycled back into the, the supply chain, um, to, but it's just a very hazardous material to begin with. So there's quite a lot and, of and, and I. 
and it's got it will have metals in it and different metals and impurities in it. Yeah. That's why you're skimming it off the top. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still useful, but you, you, it'll be because uh, aluminium to make it harder for things like tops of cans um, is is put with other alloys. And so when you remelt it, you get you you get these um, other metals that drops, and, and you're pulling out the pure aluminium or the as pure as you can. Yeah. So uh, yes. Yeah, so, so so that needs to be done with regards yeah. to salt that's, that also yeah gathers. So um yeah. It's, yeah. That's and 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 you um and uh, I want to talk about the, the the sort of the pathway to zero carbon 2050 because. As you know, as you know, I, I co-authored a paper and, and you published it as the editor of um, Aluminium International Today um, yeah. for the the, the whole um, the whole sector, uh, which dealt mostly with um, mostly with primary aluminium. Um, but um, I see, Alfred, in, in your um, you've set out some actions that 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 need to be undertaken, and I'll I'll read these if you if you don't um, if you don't mind. Uh, they are. Um, a closed loop uh, supply chain um, development and whole life design innovation and uh, national national um, recycling strategy. Now you touched on the recycling strategy, uh, but but can you just just tell me what it, what's happening on the ground? What does this mean? Like um, I'm, I've always got this um, thing that I'm uh, no more blah 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 to quote Greta Thunberg. Yeah. And, and so, in the in the in the in the simplest possible terms, can you describe what that actually is going to look like and on the ground, and what it means and what's happening today? Yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting point, and it actually is still surrounded by quite a lot of confusion from not just Alpha members, but from from UK industry and and other industries within the UK as well. So one thing we're, um, we're working with our members towards, and hopefully over the next few months in gearing up for a dedicated sustainability forum with members on the 1st of June, um, is looking at where we need to devise a framework. Um, we've, we've been working with a number of trusted sustainability suppliers within Alfred, so we're trying to build up a, um, a kind of handful. We don't want to go too much because there are a lot of you know, carbon consultancies out there and there are we're all doing the same job, all doing, uh, I'm sure, a brilliant job, but it's trying to work out which ones are really going to be beneficial to helping our sector and where we're within finding the right information and moving forward with it so a lot of the confusion is around in the differences between embedded carbon carbon offsetting and carbon footprint so a lot of members are kind of coming to us saying oh we're you know we're looking at doing a carbon report we need to find out where what products and and how much carbon is embedded in certain extrusion products or fenestration products and things so they're obviously being asked from further down the supply chain and from their their clients and their customers to now kind of prove these these uh, figures and statistics. So from outside, we can then see that actually there's, there is this need to start more. The grand ideas of sustainability strategy are great, but we actually need to start by building a framework, picking out maybe four or five areas, like I say, sort of, yeah, the embedded carbon, um, emissions reduction, uh, looking at kind of carbon offsetting, areas that are then going to hopefully help us to reach the milestones that are expected and, and the legislative kind of requirements as well. But it's it's going to mean also making sure that we are shaping that the UK industry as best as we can in order to achieve these milestones, but then working with government, working with regulators to make sure that these milestones aren't going to keep moving and, and, and yeah, things aren't going to keep changing. 
um, so that we can at least get ourselves in a good position to be proving certain data, proving certain statistics and, and figures around our industry. And hopefully that will set us in good stead to be able to start then actually making some changes and moving towards these, these kind of net zero targets. So, yeah, we're still very... You're right. It's very much now we need to cut through um, all of the kind of uncertainty that's out there on what, what people are doing. So it's how we actually take a step back, strip it back and kind of say, right, let's focus on these areas. And and hopefully that can create a good pathway for now. As well. Yeah. And uh, I, I was thinking um, and we talked earlier before that one of the reasons UK is such a good um, recycler of scrap i mean you export five hundred thousand tons uh, from one of the one of my bits of research you might have an update on that figure five hundred thousand tons of um aluminium scrap you've recycled and you only import something like six hundred and thirty eight thousand tons of aluminium so you're almost a net producer <laughs> in in terms of uh scrap and um which is really valuable um and and helps the planet a lot. That's that's that five hundred thousand tons. If you had to uh, produce that, would have um, what uh, twenty uh, twenty tons of CO two per ton of aluminium if it was coming from China. So that's a that's a massive amount of uh, CO two savings. But do you think do you think actually not having an industry uh, a smelting industry now? is helping you recycle, where the UK recycle things? Um, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting question. Obviously, I, we sort of mentioned before, but, yeah, the uh, the figures there could be slightly skewed. I'll, I'll make sure to, to have an update on those for you at some point. But, um, yeah, you're right. We, we're a big exporter of scrap, but also a big importer of scrap as well. Um, and I think the, the projects up at Look Harbour now and Fort William at the smelter are going to support that whole uh, the recycling philosophy and the fact that they are developing a recycling plant alongside the smelter um, that, that should be ready to sort of be announced within the next few, few months. I think I know we're, we're talking about it within Alfred and, and members are aware and it, it's it's something that will be... I, I've even read about it down yeah. here, so down down under, so it's, it yeah. is in the news. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll just go over that for, for viewers if they missed it, missed it. So the one smelter up in Scotland and in Fort William... Um, is looking at putting a recycling centre alongside the primary aluminium smelter because they've got uh, good hydro mm -hmm. and they've got good wind capability to develop wind um, as well. And the other thing that having recycling next to primary could enable them to capture the heat from the primary aluminium smelting and use it to um, preheat um, uh, preheat or even you know help help the recycling process. So it's actually a, a nice ecosystem to put a recycling plant next to a primary aluminium smelter. It is, it's part of the development of, of ecosystems, um, and especially if it's if it's near a good source of renewables. Yeah, certainly. And, and then it's going some way to really preserving that smelter as well, because obviously it's, like we say, it is our last and, and only uh, smelter in the UK, and, and we want to preserve that, we want to protect it. There's a huge community built up around it, obviously within... Uh, like Harbour and Fort William uh, for a workforce so it's yeah it's a very um important kind of to preserve that but I think the, these kind of developments then exactly show that show the future of aluminium and show that while we are then still producing aluminium we are looking and de at developing ways that we can continue to recycle it and and kind of make that run alongside nicely the uh, the production process and hopefully in tandem with it as well and, and make sure there are some 
um, even recycling abilities, like you say, of the heat waste and everything that's going on. And and have you got, um, you know, you know, you've uh, sorry, how many members? You have got two hundred members. I think you said um, it earlier. Two hundred, yeah, two hundred twenty companies. I think within. And and do do you get? Uh, is there much on? I, I mean, obviously they've all got an interest in sustainability, but have you got any leaders of the pack that you could give us some inter- insights to what they're doing? Um, you know, uh, out there. Yeah, I think there's there's some different kind of projects going on. So from a quite an interesting recycling perspective, um, within the UK, we there's a new, well, relatively new scheme that launched a while back called Podback. And this is focusing around the uh, return and reuse of aluminium coffee capsules. So one of our members, Tandem Metallurgical, have worked with uh, this, the Podback scheme and some other uh, technology providers to develop a specific machine that can actually then when people send back their their coffee capsules they send it back in a bag so you literally get it picked up from your your doorstep someone will come and collect it the whole bag can go straight into this machine it's shredded the the plastic is reused um with so the bag that's shredded is reused the coffee is then it's, it's quite an interesting machine to see because everything's sort of shaken shaken up but all the coffee is then shaken out so you can then reuse that within agriculture or um yeah it obviously doesn't go straight back into just your your coffee cup but um the, the I tell you what, I've, I've had coffee in cafes. I think it's been going straight back in. <laughs> you, can taste, you can taste it. Um, but the, yeah, and then obviously the actual aluminium pods are remelted back down and able to return to the system. So that was one quite big achievement to to now mm. look at obviously a, a trend and a, a growing trend in how aluminium is used and making sure that aluminium is then the uh, the kind of material of choice for for those kind of coffee capsules and trying to move away from any sort of plastic. So that that's quite a nice. Um, take on it but then I think a lot of the other um, initiatives we're starting to see come through are looking at like we say this kind of this kind of query around uh, embedded carbon within products so we're we're really going to try and help work with members to to work across the traceability of uh, of their products and uh, and yeah kind of showcase how how that aluminium then ends up in into the yeah applications and and the, the the one thing, especially in like in the building industry, the embedded carbon, it, it, because it's embedded for a long time, and in some ways, as I said, is if it's embedded when they made the aluminium, when they prime, when they smelted it, mm. that process then means the metallic form is infinitely recyclable, infinitely. That's one thing about it. it doesn't deteriorate. It's not like steel or rust, and you know. Infinitely recyclable. So the embedded carbon has been is is a one-off, and then those products in seventy years uh, will be able to be only five percent of the energy. Uh, by then, you know, we'll be we'll be getting that out of renewables and, and out of solar and wind and all of those things. Uh, recycling plants don't have to run twenty-four, uh, 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 um, you know, a um, chemical reaction like primary so they can actually modulate energy which you and I have been talked about modulation for yeah. for um, a long time now um, so 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 how are you uh, you know that so because some things with embedded carbon if it's embedded for 70 years or and you embed it forever mm. because it's it's the carbon's never going to come out the carbon was actually used to make electricity. So it might be embedded, but it's embedded forever, and you've got an infinitely recyclable material. So it's a it's a one-off and spread over 
you know, hundreds of years, hopefully it's been recycled for, hopefully civilization's going for hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting question how you're grappling with that and how governments then view aluminium. Yeah, I I definitely think that this this kind of question as well, from, from a life cycle analysis point of view starts a lot with the manufacturers but then also starts a lot with the uh, the kind of ma- the OEMs and the producers of man- uh, producers of applications so obviously the the electric vehicles the like we say into into building and architecture and how the aluminium can then be extracted at the end of life is is a huge point as well because obviously a lot of the vehicles that are now coming to the market are heavily using aluminium which is great they're, they're obviously making use of the lightweight properties but it's then how we make sure that aluminium is able to be extracted at the end of life rather than then losing it um, into into landfill and, and things like that. And, and similar with, with packaging. And I, I think the um, the kind of packaging story is the best one. Obviously, within aluminium cans, it can be from, you know, you can finish a can, pop it in the recycling, and it's usually back on the shelf in 60 days. So it's it's really kind of highlighting those areas that we we are then able to get the aluminium back in into the into the system but yeah you're right it's it's then looking at ways that we we make sure it's either there for the long term and and we're making use of it as a product that way or we we have those ways to to extract it at the end and make sure we get it back i i was at a uh, metal recyclers in perth western australia um a couple of months back and um they were telling me how they um, recycle and get the aluminium out of um, engine blocks, complete engines, okay, yeah. and they throw them in a shredder and it shreds the engine completely into tiny little bits and then they run magnets over it to uh, take the steel out and then all the rest of it is alloy and then it's it's then, then remelted. But they, um, I, 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 you can imagine the size of the shredder just shredding engine blocks. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. – um, but we have to do that. One of the uh, – and – I, and I, in January, I, I read the IEA um, report, the Energy Outlook 222, which is published at 23. Mm-hmm. And one of the things in the IEA report they said is that we are not going to be able to acquire enough metals, virgin metals, that recycling, and we'll be recycling things that we haven't even thought about. Um, now, you know, I've heard about, uh, people um, melting down um, computer chips to get the gold out of them because the gold is really easy. You just melt it and it's the heaviest thing that falls out. Yeah. But now we're looking at the, the silica in them embedded in the, in, in the computer chips and, and the other, uh, the other uh, metals as well. So everything, we're not going to be able to mine enough out of, uh, we've got a finite resources of, of mining. And so everything's, uh, every, everything's going to have to be um, recycled. And, Aluminium, of course, is, a, is an important part of that, and it will make make up bits and pieces. We so uh, what I'm saying is that the, it's coming. Like you know, the, we, we, the value of it is going to be. Um, that's a great thing about aluminium. It, you know, there's, there's a really good um, value to um, stock, even even for kids collecting cans. I mean, you know, it's you know the the the, the, the prices it was hitting. You can get really really good money for a ton of Kent. So, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I think, I think yeah, on that, Jeff, uh, as well, you're right. That's it, it. Not only will it be a case of, of us really having to work to recycle more aluminium, but that, but making that the, the actual supply 
chain focus is that we and, and closed loop focus will be that we are we're looking more at, yeah recycling aluminium but also then where we will start seeing it in a lot more products and I think one thing that um I've had a lot more interest in recently and a lot more um kind of inquiries into is uh, companies that are looking but especially sort of gin gin distilleries and any kind of other um kind of packaging areas where aluminium can be used we've seen a lot more interest in in them looking at aluminium bottles and actually switching from things like glass and plastic into aluminium specifically for that reason that they they are aware for the recycling reason yeah yeah for the recycling for the lightweight reason for the fact that um logistically and, and transport wise it's it's easier to to transport you know, there's no breakage <laughs> like glass but it so it's it's then sort of looking at actually ways from a consumer perspective as well that we will start to see aluminium coming into our lives a lot more and and hopefully that will kind of create this again this this impetus to to then recycle it and to have more of that material coming back into the supply chain as well so that would that'll be quite interesting. and and i had my first um large can of um water in western australia aluminium can of water yeah. still water now I, i've had soda water and sparkling water and stuff and but it was um the branding on it was no plastics you know, um, and and those cans are, um, yeah, they, they they weren't too much more expensive than a water bottle. But um, I was very aware when I was visiting that um, you couldn't top up a water bottle because no, it said nobody can't drink the water. Um, so you were buying lots of water. It was really hot. Uh, you had lots of plastic water. But it was interesting, the aluminium can starting to, you know, um, replace those, those cheap, plastic bottles yeah and so. i think it's just a very much a change in consumer attitude stuff as well because like you i've i've yeah had aluminium canned water and it. it's a weird feeling because you you click a you know pop a can and you expect it to have a fizz or you expect it to have something so it's, <laughs> it, it's it is strange, it is it's a strange it's slightly yeah, strange the first time yeah. pour in a glass and it's okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> drinking out of a can is actually a little bit weird yeah. yes i agree yeah. So then I think this was the shift when we saw, you know, wine bottles changing to, to aluminium caps and, and closures and things, and there was a big um, uproar. As yes. It won't, won't be the same as a cork. But actually, again, it helps to preserve the wine, and it's it's an easier – and it's now a complete shift. If I if I get a bottle of wine that suddenly has a cork, I panic and can't find my, my corkscrew. But, yeah. Yes, well, it, it, I, I, think, I think it had a negative effect on women's health. Um, uh, is, uh, I, no, I think that's a true thing. It's not me being sexist. It, um, the, the, um, the, the demographics for wine drinking shifted dramatically, you know, so, um, and that was just yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, lockdown did that as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah change, um, change in, in the, the way we see things, and I think if we if we can then kind of see aluminium as a product that is more readily available to consumers and is more you know easier to to recycle, and, and we have that from from younger generations up as well. I think it's just that education around how aluminium yeah. can really help support that. that yeah, that kind of yeah, thing. and and I think. Um, We'll, we'll we'll wrap up uh, here, Nadine. I, I just one one more comment because I think you might smile at this. Um, the embedded carbon debate. There's uh, an article recently uh, down here in New Zealand that um, whether wool carpets or synthetic carpets, and wool carpets have a higher embedded CO2 than synthetic carpets. Okay. And so they're now saying wool in itself has a higher embedded CO2 um, uh, than um, than synthetic um, uh, materials for clothes, and um, 
Yeah, and then then you're starting to get the get the debate, and and the two carpet makers in New Zealand are suing each other over which has got the least um, uh, CO two. Uh, because of course, then you get into um, what happens at the end of life. Yeah. Uh, wool. The the great thing about wool, it will it will decompose. It will decompose. It, composting is great. You know, it it can actually uh, it it can it can be recycled, but um, it'll it's a natural fibre. Um, where the plastic's going to be around, you know, it could be five hundred years. Yeah, you know, um, and, and there's a, there's a, um, and that's what that end of life, um, that end of life. What do you do with it when you're finished with it? I think it's going to be one of the, um, it's going to be one of the huge important things, mm-hmm. and aluminium's going to be a safe material in that regard, yeah. despite its embedded carbon content, and and as you know, I'm, I've um, I've talked for years on on what primary aluminium smelting needs to do to, to tidy up and lower its CO2 emissions, and and I think it needs to. It can't continue to be burning coal the way it is. Um, uh, taking, uh, taking anything that's aluminium as a consumer is a safe option because the end of life, whether you drink the can and finish it with it then or you install it as windows or cladding on your building for the next 70 years, it's a safe option. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think, like you say, it's just then having that kind of shift in, in mentality and, and shift in the awareness as to what it is these products are actually, well, yeah, these metals and the, these products can actually bring to a more circular economy. So I think from an outfit perspective, we're very much aware of driving the benefits of aluminium, but also kind of asking... We did, a, we did a piece a while back that was, you know, why aluminium? Why should we be using aluminium in certain products? Why is it the best choice and, and the, the metal of the future? But I also think it's very much of a case of why not? You know, why why can't we look at aluminium in, in other certain applications and, and yeah. yeah, presenting it as... So, look, yeah, thank, thank you very much, um, very much for your time. Um, uh, it's your morning, my evening. And um, for the very first, the very first Simpac Live um, show, and um, and yes, I thought you, I thought it was only appropriate you you be the, the guest on the first show, and um, yes, and and I'll leave you with one thought about aluminium, um, and that is, um, it is my hope that uh, aluminium's infinite recyclability is not used by the primary aluminium smelting sector. To, for them to do nothing about their CO2 um, emissions, yeah. which are mainly all, all, all by power stations, because we know they can do something if they really wanted to. And so um, you don't have that problem in the UK. So um, uh, so good luck, and we will see you um, uh, probably in the Northern Hemisphere in September, I think. Yes. Yeah, that sounds great. No, thank you so much, Jeff, and, um, yeah, for all the work you're doing to kind of push push this onto the agenda it's really really good to see so yeah thank you wonderful good night thank you